Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. A year and a half ago, I moved out of my family home and across the state. I've believed in the paranormal since I was very young, and I was raised on Appalachian folklore and the ghost stories of extended family members that had no reason to lie to me about that sort of thing, so I believe them, and I believe too. But I'm absolutely a chicken at heart, and spooky things frighten me very easily when I'm alone. But I know that about myself, so I ignore any weird things that I get or things that I hear and see unless someone else can verify them. I'm really good at shaking things off, in other words. Growing up, I once saw shadow men in my bedroom doorway, and no features, just six-ish feet tall and shadows. I was obviously petrified, but it was probably just sleep paralysis. I always felt someone watching me when I would do the dishes at night when no one else was up probably just paranoid because it's dark and the nearest wall is 20 feet behind me. I felt someone shake my shoulder as I was falling asleep once, but probably just phantom touch. In other words, I just wrote everything off to the point that when I heard my brother behind me ask clearly, Max, what are you doing? Only to turn around and face an empty room. I thought he was just pranking me. My thought that he had silently opened the door, asked me a question and quickly silently closed the door before I could turn around. I wrote it off enough that I was mad at him when I searched the house and backyard for 20 minutes, thinking that he was hiding somewhere. Wrote it off enough that it somehow made sense that he had decided to leave the house entirely just to avoid me being mad at him for messing with me. Wrote it off enough that when I asked my mum if she had seen him leave and she told me that he left three hours ago, that I decided it must have just been my imagination. But just a, a very powerful auditory hallucination. And so I shook it all off. Recently, though, I went back to my family's house to celebrate the holidays with them. A Thanksgiving, Christmas, birthday, fun for the whole family deal, and I stayed in my old bedroom. And weird does not begin to cover how the atmosphere felt. It was oppressive and angry and possessive in a way that felt intensely familiar and made me aware of just how much my new home doesn't feel anything at all. 
but it also felt excited to see me, if that makes any sense. I felt paranoid and scared the whole week that I was there, and I just couldn't shake the feeling. And obviously, I'm pretty good at shaking things off at this point. My immediate family will think that I just have a too active of an imagination, but I really don't know if I agree anymore. Either way, I'm really glad that I don't have to go back anytime soon, because all those experiences, I'm not so sure that I can just shake them off anymore. So this account is an odd one, and I've only recently felt comfortable telling it to anyone other than immediate family and close friends. I completely understand if it's uh, hard to believe. I've been somewhat skeptical of what occurred for the past 10 years, in fact. But regardless of what the cause of the incident was, it's an experience that I feel is best shared here. So, the summer of 2008, I had the opportunity to go to a small community in Nicaragua for a week-long mission trip. There were 30 or so members in this group, however, I only knew two people, a young couple from my church. I was 16 years old at the time and it was my first time going to another country without any of my family there with me, so I was both proud to feel like an adult and scared shitless having to be an adult. I had been to Eastern Europe the year before on a, a smaller mission, so I went into this trip with the same expectations. Those expectations quickly changed, though, on the two-hour bus ride from the airport to where we were staying. The highway was poorly paved when there was pavement to speak of. The cities and towns were filled with dilapidated huts and businesses, and malnourished livestock and dogs roamed the streets everywhere, and it uh, truly was just another world. Once at the mission house, we unpacked our belongings and gathered into the main room for a meet and greet and briefing, and among the 30 people there were several pastors, a few interpreters, a very cute girl who was several years older than me too, and despite being somewhat distracted by my newfound mission crush, I specifically remember the warnings we received about the area. We were told the communities we would be in were full of gang activity and to always stay in groups of no less than three in certain areas. And as if that weren't enough to worry me, we were told that black magic and witchcraft were common practice and practitioners were known to put curses on people they felt were opposing their beliefs. Needless to say, being a part of a Christian mission in their turf did not bring me any comfort whatsoever. And surprisingly enough, the week actually went pretty smooth and was filled with awesome people and amazing experiences. But the whole time there was this what felt to be, for a lack of a better term, a darkness that followed the group. No matter where we went or what we were doing, there was an unexplained feeling of there being something wrong. Every member of the group whom I spoke with about the matter said that they felt the same thing too. Close to the end of the week, I, I felt like we found where the darkness lived too. The weather had turned bad that morning as a small group of us loaded up the bus and started down the road. Hurricane Alma would make landfall the next day. We weren't told where we were going, only that we were going to hand out food to some locals. We turned off the main highway and down a dirt road, which ran between seemingly abandoned buildings. With each turn we made, more and more garbage appeared on the side of the road until it was apparent that we were entering a landfill. The bus came to a stop when hills of trash became just visible everywhere. I remember thinking to myself that there's absolutely no way that anyone could be living here. And almost as an answer to my thoughts, 
The pieces of cardboard began to move as people began emerging from the trash shelters and walking towards where we were parked. By this time, the rain had turned into an absolute downpour and the ruts of the road were now muddy streams emptying into the landfill. The sadness that I felt for these people turned into heartbreak when I actually saw a small girl being led by a young woman in the group. The food truck pulled up behind our bus and we all stood to exit when the group leader deemed it too wet for us to get out and help hand out the food and whatnot. Myself and several others protested but were ultimately overruled. I know it's cheesy to say but to this day I, I still feel the sadness and anger I felt seeing those people watch as our bus turned around and just drove away. The next night was our last in the area and we held an assembly for the community at a local baseball stadium. The rain had broken an hour before it started and several hundred locals filled the stands as the service began. The rain had actually shorted out the sound system too, so the preacher stood atop the bus which had been pulled into a, a pitcher's mound and shared a megaphone with the interpreter for the duration of his message. Afterwards, he invited everyone onto the field to speak with us. To our surprise, nearly everyone in the stands came center field, all seemingly eager to speak with us. A middle-aged woman introduced me to her daughter and encouraged her to practice her English with me too. Several minutes into our conversation and we were interrupted by a member of our group grabbing me by the shoulder. With an unsettling urgency in his voice, he said that they needed help and quickly walked through the crowd into the direction of third base. I excused myself from the conversation and began to follow when I noticed large numbers of people just quickly moving away from the direction that he went. As I cleared through the crowd, I, I saw nearly all of the men in our group holding someone to the ground. Thinking that something terrible had happened, I ran towards the pile. As I approached, the man who had asked for my help told me to cross the person's ankles and hold them down. Hesitantly, I did so, and the person was screaming at the top of their lungs and kicking their legs with what seemed to be superhuman strength. I looked towards the person's face, and to this day, I, I wish I had it. The subject of the commotion was a, a young local man who was of a, a wiry build. He was wearing dirty clothes and stank to high heaven and his face was contorted to the point of seeming inhuman and his mouth was open so wide it was almost as if his jaw had been unhinged or something. His eyes were rolled into the back of his head and his head whipped side to side as he screamed. The men closest to his head were holding his arms out to the side and the rest of the group formed a semicircle behind them and were all praying aloud. I then realized that we were holding this man in the form of a crucifix and I suddenly put two and two together. Paralyzed with fear, I held the man's ankles as tight as I could and stared at his face as the group was commanding a demon to exit his body in the name of Jesus. I wanted to let go and get as far away from the situation as I could but I just uh, couldn't bring myself to move. The man then suddenly stopped fighting and began slowly moving his head back and forth. A lady in our group, who I found out later had written a, a book on demonology or something, demanded this demon to tell her his name. The man stopped moving and took a deep breath and then screamed, We are rage. And the name was so loud that it, it actually hurt my ears. But amazingly, the voice was for a lack of a better word, demonic, and honestly sounded like two people speaking at once. The woman who had first seemed unshaken showed concern too and told us to let go of him. 
Now, how I've described what happened next is a, a little bit odd, but it's been the best analogy that I've been able to think of. If you've ever seen a spider die, sprayed with poison or stepped on, you've seen how its legs curl and form in a, somewhat of a ball kind of thing. As if his arms and legs were spring-loaded, they just snapped hard to his body and he curled up into a ball and began writhing around in the grass. We all backed up and the praying stopped, except for my mission crush who was standing apart from the group, crying and praying aloud. The man just went limp face down on the ground with his head pointed towards the girl. Her praying became more intense as she cried harder when the man, without lifting his head, began pulling himself along the grass towards her with only his arms. She slowly backed away while continuing to pray as the man slowly dragged his body towards her. Anger suddenly washed over me and I actually started running towards the man with the intent of kicking him in the head but was stopped by two of the men in the group. The girl stopped praying and the man just went limp for the last time. An ambulance had apparently been called and the crew rushed into the field with a stretcher and loaded the unconscious man up. It was then that I realized that I had seen him the day before at the landfill. He was one of the people who had emerged from the trash shelters and watched as we drove away. Once the incident was over, we loaded onto the bus and started back to the mission house. The woman who had asked the demon its name came and sat beside me and tried to explain what we had just witnessed. Long story short, there was supposedly a legion of demons inside the man and it was unsafe for us to challenge them. The preacher who the man had initially approached said that the man did not speak English and fell to the ground in convulsions as soon as he laid his hand on his shoulder. Now, I'm not the most spiritual or religious person and I try to consider things logically before making assumptions of supernatural inference. I considered that the man was simply having a seizure, but after witnessing multiple seizure victims afterwards, it just doesn't match up. Some sort of neurological disorder or psychosis may explain parts of the man's behavior, but I've not been able to say that that's what it was for certain. Demon or not, this was a, a very unique and terrifying experience, and it's one that will stick with me for the rest of my life. Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. 
Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. So last night, I went out to go look for our dogs at midnight, shaking their food bowls and whistling for them, and they went out and they just didn't come back. We live on four acres of farmland, so it's not huge, but a good size, but we do live in the Appalachian Mountains, and we're right at the base of the woods. We also have that gigantic cemetery, 500 plots with a, a lot of unmarked graves or just marked with a rock behind our house. I got all the way to the other edge of our property from our house, on the other side of the property, turn around and I see this black cloaked figure just standing on the cemetery, and it's like six foot tall, sort of levitating, so it's definitely not a person, and it's entirely black. I stand there and stare for a second to make sure that it's definitely what I'm seeing, and I don't want to freak out for no reason, but it moves its robed arm, and... I immediately take off running to our house and all I can smell is rotting flesh. It smells like there's something dead and rotting right in front of me or like I'm running towards something dead. Mind you, it didn't smell like that when I walked out there and I ran the exact same path that I walked back. It took my husband a half an hour to calm me down and I was hyperventilating the whole time. I had to explain to him seeing this figure before too while we were dating but that was over text and he didn't get the full experience. This was the first time that he'd ever seen me in person after seeing this particular thing. He's seen me after I've dealt with other things, but this was new for him. And my dogs, they showed up on our porch 30 minutes later with their tails between their legs. And they both looked terrified. I think perhaps that whatever this thing was, was holding my dogs at ransom to lure me out there. So, to preface this, I should mention that all of this took place back home on my reservation. Another thing that I should mention is that on the res, traditional beliefs and legends of the paranormal are still a big part of our community. The attitude of most people towards the paranormal is one of assurance here. To us, the paranormal is just a, a regular part of life. We believe in a spirit world and we believe that sometimes these beings can cross over into our world and maybe even live among us. When I tell my paranormal stories to my non-native friends, they're always in such disbelief that things like this have actually happened and how casually I just talk about it, but it's only because it's been so normalized for me. Where they have absolutely no paranormal experiences, I have a bunch and most everyone I know on the res has even more than I do. I don't really care to explain it any further than that. I mean, maybe we all are going crazy from drinking our toxic tap water anyway. I don't know anyways. So this is the story. This all happened in the fall of 2011 when I was 16 years old. I was living in a nearby city with my mum so that I could get a better education than the one that I could get back home but we'd go back every single weekend to see my dad and little brother. So one Friday during the drive back home I got a text from a friend of mine. She told me about a party that was happening that night and asked me when I'd be home so that they could come pick me up. 
I gave her a time and that was pretty much that. But we get home and as soon as we stepped inside the house we see my dad and my cousin just sitting at the kitchen table drinking some beers. They're both cops on the res so usually beers and his partner on a Friday evening means that they had a particularly tough week at work. Typically the toughest cases to deal with are the child abuse and stuff like that so a part of me felt sad immediately that something bad had happened. They both looked tired and drained but they were happy to see us and we say our greetings and catch up a little and my dad asks me if I have any plans. I tell him about the party and where it'll be and me and our cousin share a weird look. I asked, why are you guys making that face? Did something happen? And my cousin said, I don't know, should we tell her? Looking at my dad. He laughed and they decided that I should probably know what's going on since I'd be going to a cottage pretty deep in the woods later that evening. They start with this first strange call that they got on Monday night. Apparently, uh, an older woman called saying that people were outside of her house knocking on all of her windows. She said that she couldn't see anybody, but there must have been at least three people judging by all the different locations of the knocking. They arrive at the woman's home, inspected all around the house, even checked the woods, but nothing came up. They tell her that it's probably just some teenagers playing tricks on her and that there isn't much else that they can do besides patrol around the area in case they come back. On Wednesday night, the same woman called again with the same problem. It had rained that day and there was mud everywhere in this woman's home, so they figured that at the very least they'd find some footprints, but they couldn't find a thing. And this is when they started feeling like something was a bit off, because one of the windows where the woman was adamant about there being knocking was just completely impossible to get to without stepping through this huge mud puddle. And this is when they started to think that the woman was lying, but they just told her the same thing that they told her a few nights prior. By Thursday night, everyone on the res had been talking about these strange experiences, and it turns out that this woman wasn't the only one experiencing the knocking. She was just the only one to call the police. I mean, all of this was taking place on a res, so it wasn't long before people were linking it to a supernatural cause too. My dad was still sure it was a group of teens just pranking people, but they got another call from the same woman for the same reason. They rushed over and were met with the same situation, except this time, the neighbor walked over, looking pale as a ghost. He says, is this about the knocking? And they noticed that he's a little bit shaky. And they asked him, yeah, did you see something? The man nodded and said, you guys are going to think I'm crazy, but yeah and he goes on to explain what he saw. He said that he stepped outside for a cigarette on his front porch when he heard some knocking. He looked around to see where it was coming from, and when he looked to his neighbor's house, he saw it. There was a, a black figure just standing outside the woman's window, the same one with the mud puddle that I mentioned earlier, just looking into a home. He said that it looked humanoid in nature, but completely made of shadow. You could tell it was something solidish though, but you couldn't make out any features on it. He stared at it, completely in shock, and watched this thing as it knocked a couple of times and then darted around the house knocking on every single window. He said that it moved too fast to be human, and it was practically a blur. It went around the house a few times and then across the road into the tree line behind one of the trees in particular. 
The man was frozen, but he couldn't look away, and it then leaned out from behind the tree, staring directly at him with yellow eyes that reflected the light similar to a cat's eyes, and then it smiled, showing its small but numerous pointed and sharp teeth. He said that I almost shit my pants, attempting to make a joke, but his voice was still shaking. Fast forward to Friday, and stories are being exchanged all over the res about other sightings and experiences that people were having. And on top of multiple people experiencing the knocking, there were also quite a few sightings with everyone describing the creature in the same way. One woman was bringing a trash bin to the road when she thought that she saw someone in a peripheral vision standing near the trees. She walked back up the driveway and into her home, feeling like she was being watched. And right before she was about to open her door to go back inside her home, she looked back and saw two reflective yellow eyes watching her from the trees. She said that it was about five feet above the ground too. Another couple was driving at night and they saw a humanoid figure standing in the middle of the road. As they got closer, they slowed down and it turned around to face them and that's when they saw the yellow reflective eyes and sharp pointed teeth as it smiled at them. They stopped the car, too afraid to go closer to it, until uh, they decided to just drive past it. Being on a narrow road, they drove past it with the figure being only a few feet from the window, staring at them the whole time. My dad asked me, are you sure you still want to go to that party? But my friends were already pulling into the driveway and I gave my family hugs and kisses goodbye and they told me to be careful but I honestly felt fine. A common belief among native people is that negative energy attracts negative energy. Therefore, an evil spirit will be drawn to people with unresolved issues, traumas and sinners I suppose. If you're someone who is spiritual and self-aware and basically a good person that in and of itself, will be a, a protective measure. So, I get to the party and within 20 minutes, the conversation shifts towards all the paranormal experiences people have been having. I'm really curious about what everyone has to say because they have stories that I hadn't heard yet. But my friend, us being 16 and all, couldn't hold her alcohol very well and was crying about how she wished she was closer with her brother. I was trying to make her feel better while listening to everyone's stories and one of the people at the party was related to the neighbor of the woman who was calling the police. But the experience really shook him up too and my friend was just explaining everything that he was doing later on and for one he smudged his entire home which is something our people do when we're looking for extra protection against paranormal entities and he also went to visit multiple elders around the community asking for advice and any information that they had on similar happenings. What we do know about paranormal experiences on the res is that they don't happen as often as they used to. If you talk to one of our elders, they have endless stories and even more advice to give about how to protect yourself compared to now. One of the explanations that was given to this guy about this shadow thing was that it was evidence that someone was doing a, an unauthorized shaking tent ceremony or something. If you don't know what that is, you can look it up, but it's basically, and I'm generalizing here, like a Ouija board session that takes place inside a tent of some sort. People stand around the tent while the shaman type dude goes inside and asks questions. The tent begins to shake and you can hear the voices of spirits coming through. I've never personally been to one because we haven't had a good enough reason to make one, but typically our ancestors used shaking tent ceremonies when they were starving in the dead winter and needed some direction on where the nearest food source was. My mum's been to one and her story is absolutely crazy. 
She described multiple voices of men and women only speaking the native tongue and they were upset that the people were doing a shaking tent ceremony when they weren't on the verge of death or anything. The people there had to explain that they were only doing the ceremony to prove that it was real as we'd been losing our culture as a result of residential schools but the spirits were apparently angry about this saying that the bridge between the two worlds should never be opened unless absolutely necessary because you don't know what you're communicating with. It could be evil spirits and it could be good ones. It could be ancestors but you would never know. Anyways, the elders told him that this spirit crossed over into our world because of a shaking tent ceremony. Someone on the reserve has been doing them without consultation of the elders. So we started thinking about who would do that with our proper guidance and without good enough reason to do so. Then two of the drunkest dudes at this point started saying shit like, oh, I'm not scared, that thing could show up now and it couldn't do shit, basically egging it on. All of us were looking at each other like, why the fuck would you disrespect an evil spirit? That's exactly how you attract it to you and that's when I decided to leave the sunroom where everyone was hanging out. I went to the living room to console my drunk crying friend when I noticed that the rocking chair outside on the porch was going back and forth. I looked away immediately, refusing to make direct eye contact, but I did look at it through my peripheral vision. So I make my way inside the cottage and I keep seeing this rocking chair going back and forth and back and forth but another thing that we're raised to do in our culture is to ignore paranormal experiences. Spirits feed on the energy that people put towards them so if you freak out and if you get angry and if you yell at it or start crying that's exactly what it wants and it'll stick around once it gets a reaction. It thrives on energy of any kind so while I knew something fucked up was happening on the rocking chair I wasn't about to pay it any attention. Five minutes or so goes by and I'm still seeing it move in the corner of my eye. And that's when my friend screams and she runs to the other side of the sunroom. My other friend sprints to where the girl was sitting and busts through the French doors onto the balcony. All of this happens in a split second but I immediately go to the patio and ask what's going on. The girl is crying on the couch with friends all around her and she claims to have seen the spirit. She said that she was listening to the boys talk about the spirit when she saw the second boy's face as he was looking out into the balcony behind her. She turned around to see what he was looking at and directly on the other side of the window was the shadow spirit sitting on the rocking chair, smiling at her at literally three feet away from her. And that's when the boy sprints towards it and busts through the French doors. I walk outside to find the boy and he's on the lawn just staring into the woods. I call his name and he looks up at me and... All he says is, get everyone inside, and the tone of his voice just makes me automatically obey. I get all of the drunk teenagers inside the cottage, and this is when the phrase, come at me bro, was gaining popularity, so you could imagine the drunk kids yelling into the woods, and it was uh, pretty terrible. I eventually get everyone inside, and the girl is now in some sort of a trance freaking everyone out. She doesn't speak to anyone and she doesn't say anything but I want to go home. The boy comes back inside and tells everyone to clean up and that we should leave as soon as possible. Everyone has trash bags and we're cleaning away all the beer bottles and cans and everything and everyone goes into the cottage and it's only me and the boy in the sunroom now. I look to him for answers and all he says is it's outside. I nod and start cleaning faster because the sooner we're out of here, the sooner we're away from that thing. As we're cleaning the sunroom though, we 
hear knocking on the windows in multiple places. The entire sunroom is made of glass, but it's dark out, so you can't even see outside. I immediately look to the boy, and he just says, ignore it. But within two seconds, someone comes running out of the bathroom and says, I'll fucking kill whoever's outside knocking on the bathroom window, but everyone's inside and accounted for. Someone else comes running out of the bedroom saying that there was knocking on the window in there as well. And now, everyone is freaking out. And me and the boy and our other friend are the only sober ones to calm everyone down. We get the place clean and get outside to the cars immediately and everyone's getting into the trucks and I'm standing with the boy and he's relaxed but then all of a sudden looks behind me and shoves me inside of his truck. We peel out of the driveway and just drop everyone off and a few days later I end up hanging out with him and he tells me the story from his perspective. He said that when the boy started talking shit about this thing that it appeared on the rocking chair behind the girl. He said that he made eye contact with it and couldn't look away and they were staring each other down and that's when the girl saw the boy's expression. He said that it was instinct to defend the people that he was with and ran towards it. He said that the feeling he was getting from this thing was almost like he was daring him to do something. He said that the second that he got up, this thing stood and ran into the woods, disappearing from the patio in a blur. The boy ran off the porch and was looking around the lawn when he saw it standing at the tree line, looking right at him with a smile on its face. He said the whole time it felt like it was mocking him. And I called the boy's name and then it just disappeared. He didn't see it again until everyone was getting into the trucks, which explains why he suddenly pushed me aside. He said that it was standing on the far end of the truck, super close to us. Later that night, when he dropped everyone off, they realized that they never locked the door, so he went back to the cottage, but his friend, whose cottage it was, was too scared to go with him. The boy goes in by himself, but the second he opens the door, he sees the thing standing inside the living room. So he locks the door as quick as he can, and they just peel out of the driveway. So yeah, the sightings continued for a few days after that too. We definitely weren't the only people on the res to have experiences like this and then it just stopped all of a sudden. It was the talk of the res and everyone was curious about what had happened and would it come back, what was it, all that sort of stuff. But word ended up getting around that there were sightings north of our community too. White people in the town just north of us were having sightings, then other reservations were having sightings as well. It was like it was travelling north, the way the stories were going. Anyways, it's 2018 now and no one else on my reserve has had any sightings of this particular thing. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. 
Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.